sir. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. This week, a historic gathering is coming together in South Africa, Johannesburg. It's called the BRICS Summit. B-R-I-C-S. B-R-I-C-S, it's an acronym referring to the five nations that... uh, originated this organization, this gathering, to combat or counteract the Western hegemony of a new world order. It's historic. And they're facing a historic decision as they attempt to reshape the world order. And so I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, Tonka transforms... And today is a fascinating look at global developments as they relate to biblical prophecy. And so, here we go. I hope you'll listen carefully because you may not hear too much about this on the news media because what's going on in South Africa starting tomorrow will actually be competing against the new Western world order, the global world order established by the United States, the G7, and all of the efforts of Bill Gates. That's right. And it takes us back on a little journey to set the stage for this to 1992. On February 1st, 1992, then-President, Republican President George Herbert Walker Bush having over 200 times announced the coming New World Order, declared it is the sacred principles enshrined in the U.N. Charter to which we will henceforth pledge our allegiance. No, notice he wasn't saying we're going to pledge our allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, but rather to the Charter, the U.N. Charter, the United Nations Charter. The next year, in 1993, President William Jefferson Clinton a consummate globalist who found his training with Cecil Cecil Rhodes, who was the founder of the Rhodes Scholarship that was developing young men to become globalists with a global agenda. Jill Clinton approved NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. And in 1995, CAFTA, the Central American Free Trade Agreement. And those laid the foundation for George W. Bush's North American Union and his effort to ultimately merge with the European Union. And the echo of those events continues to circle the earth. The Mediterranean Union was declared July 13, 2008 to form a bridge between Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East. It was the brainchild of French President Nicolas Sarkozy, comprised of 43 member nations. The Union committed to what they called peace, stability, and security. That's the Hebrew word shalom, by the way. Was formed and to ensure the region's people would love each other instead of making war. Thus emulating the European Union. Announcement was time to coincide with the French presidency of the European Union. 
As the Guardian publication in Britain noted, Sarkozy's big idea is to use Imperial Rome's center of the world as a unifying factor, linking 44 countries that are home to 800 million people. That was then. Now we're 10 years later, since I wrote the book King of the Mountain. At the time of writing King of the Mountain, there were established or in process the following global unions. Some of them were with overlapping nations, but here they are. The European Union then had 27 nations. The Mediterranean Union had 43 nations. The North American Union, three nations, and that was formative, wasn't actual, complete. The Transatlantic Union, 30 nations, which was formative. The South American Union, 12 nations, which was actual. The Central American Union, eight nations, which was actual. The Pacific Union, with 13 nations, that was formative. Russia and Belarus Union, the Belarus Union, was two nations, that was actual. The Indian Union, 25 states, actual. The African Union, 53 states, actual. The Central Asian Union, five nations, formative. And the South Asian Union, 44 nations, formative. Now, of those, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven were actual, having already been formed. The others were in formative stages. Where are they now? Well, I cannot tell you with exactitude where they are now, but the Bible tells us that there are going to be ten heads. That's right. These ten, there are ten groups of nations, regional governments, whatever you may call them, that are going to be ruling at the time of our Lord's return and also at the time of the ascent of a counterfeit Christ figure. Who will they be? Well, we don't know exactly which ones are going to live and which ones are going to be merged with others. But that is the process, and that was the process 10 years ago. So where does it stand today in terms of the concerns of nations as they respond to the whole concept of a world or global empire. That's what we want to take a look at as we look at the founders, members of BRICS facing a historic decision as they attempt to reshape the world order. That's the headline from the Russian Times today. Again, I welcome you to Viewpoint. We are confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. You may not think that this is one of the deepest issues because we don't know how to relate to it. And that's our job here today, to help us to understand how to relate to this information, to what is developing this very week. And it has to do with the whole concept of global governance. Global governance is not a conspiracy theory. It's a confrontive truth, friends. The gospel of global government and the unification of the world is secularly described as globalism. It has spiritual roots, and those spiritual roots draw life not from trusting God and his wisdom and his grace and his power, but rather from trusting man's desire to sever dependence from his creator and to depend upon mankind's 
good nature to do the supposed right thing for the common good and thus save himself. It's the anti-gospel precisely because it denies man's fundamental sinful condition that necessitates a savior, other than himself, that is, and shifts ultimate trust to the arm of flesh, which brings a curse. Now, Israel has faced that problem and continues to do so in her continuing search to be like all the other nations, to be included among them despite God's declaration that they would not be reckoned among the nations. And now seeks inclusion in the European Union, Mediterranean Union, and so above. But America, as a Gentile new Canaan, has followed the very same path of Israel, progressively abandoning God and her fathers, and now leading one of the major global enterprises for Shalom, security and prosperity. We'll be back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. Today we're taking a look at a development that has been taking place actually for about 15 years, but kind of behind the scenes. And now it is emerging as a front row center movement to unite a major portion of the world for a new global order. That is a new global order to reshape the world order as we know it, or as it appears to be known, that's dominated by the United States of America and the Western world. Because many nations within the world, around the world, do not feel that that's being handled properly. They don't feel that it's fair. They don't feel that it's honest. They feel manipulated. They feel this, that, or the other. And I'm not here, I'm not here to justify their or make commentary upon their feelings. I'm just telling you that's what their feelings are. And so there is a growing movement now called the BRICS group. B-R-I-C-S. And it's composed of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And they're moving to reshape the world order. You say, well, how are they going to do that? They can't compete with the United States. They can't compete with uh, Europe and the U.S. and the Western nations and so on. Well, that's not how they see it. And viewpoint always determines destiny. And so they believe that they are in a position to launch into the deep for competition, shall we say, for king of the mountain. In other words, to become the leaders in a new alternative world order. Now, what's interesting about this is that China itself, by itself, believes and has called for a Chinese new world order. That's the vision of Xi Jinping, 
who had declared not too many years ago that China would rule the world. That's right, he did. He declared that China would rule the world. But there are others that want to rule the world. There is a sense in which Russia wants to rule the world. They have their own reasons why they believe that, and they also believe that it's almost a prophetic calling, not based upon Scripture, but based upon another prophecy within the history of Russia going back about 1,400 years. Now, all of this has been driven also and accentuated by Russia's attack on Ukraine. Not here to support or discourage, just to comment. It has been accentuated and, shall we say, the BRICS movement has been catapulted down the historic pathway dramatically because of Russia's attack on Ukraine, but not just because of Russia's attack on Ukraine, because of the West's response to that. And that's what the BRIC uh, BRIC nations are looking at. They're looking at the West's response to that, and they don't like what they see. They're not on board. And they see it as having very negative effects, ultimately, for their respective nations. So where is that going? Well, this week, starting tomorrow, these nations are going to be gathering together in Johannesburg, South Africa. And about 20 countries are reported seeking admission to the five-member organization, and the list of countries that will be represented at the meeting in South Africa is even three times as long. In other words, this is a big deal. According to the Russian Times, it's a sign of the times. The yearning of many non-Western nations to become more consequential to how the world is run and the growing pushback against self-serving Western democracies in global politics, economics, finance, and the media. But that doesn't mean that the BRICS, that's the acronym made up of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, doesn't mean they're going to have an easy run in reshaping the world order. So two issues are going to be faced by them this week. The main challenge is the group's further evolution. What does that mean? One of those has to do with expanding membership. So a number of countries from all over the globe have been trying to line up at BRICS door. Like Algeria, Argentina, Bangladesh, Belarus, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Cuba, Egypt, Ethiopia... Indonesia, Iran, Kazakhstan, Mexico, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. All of those are right there knocking at the door already. So going for what has been called a big bang enlargement would be a very loud statement to the world, but especially as an alternative to the U.S.-led system of alliances and partnerships that's being built commonly referred to as the nations of the Great Reset or the New World Order, the Western New World Order. 
Now, the other challenge for the BRICS bloc is coming up with new financial instruments to reduce the non-Western economy's dependence on the dollar. Notice this is this is a rising movement against both the United States and all of the Western nations that the United States has patched together through NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, that has just expanded to 31 nations, and Sweden is on the way in. That would make 32 nations. That also added to that would be such Western nations as Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and so on. Western restrictions against the non-Western economies, particularly Russia and China, have hampered the activities of the BRICS New Development Bank that have been calling for the group to create a common currency to break the dollar's monopoly in world finance. So this is a very big deal, and now after having, shall we say, been born about 15 years ago, this is coming to fruition, and this BRICS organization now is becoming a mature grown-up. The G7 Western nations is is globalist in the sense of seeking to project its models and its morals on the rest of the world. And BRICS countries are focused on their own national sovereignty, at least for now. So the G7's role, the Western global order, is to preserve the old order in which the West is dominant, The BRICS members' ambition is to build elements of a new, what they call a more diversified world order. And the impact will be the evolution of the world's system. At the core for the BRICS is what one could call the world majority that aims at development rather than dominance. That's what they say now. The very same earmarks or words or phrases were used in 1950 with the formation of the European Common Market. It was all about economy. It was all about uniting European states around a nice trade organization. Everybody was going to be able to do better because they break down the barriers between the nations for trade. Everything would become more secure, more prosperous, hence security and prosperity, hence shalom, peace through the European Union. Now, the BRICS organization wants to do exactly the same thing, except that it's not associated with Western nations. Primarily, it's associated with nations across the globe. And it's the, if the group of rising powers tries to usurp global governance, according to one writer, again for the Russian Times, says it will collapse under its own weight. So India is involved with this. India is the largest population nation in the world. I believe it's about 1.6 billion now. 
China is the second largest, 1.2 or 3 billion. Between the two of them, they're almost 3 billion people. About two-fifths of the entire world's population in two nations. And they want to merge into, well, they're already part of this BRICS group. They're leaders in the BRICS group. And because of their vast economies, not matching the U.S., but their vast economies, and their vast populations, they are seen then as agents to be able to usher in smaller nations into a nice, warm, cuddly, sweet relationship to combat the global vision of the Western nations that was started, in many respects, by George Herbert Walker Bush, built upon by Bill Clinton, built upon again by George W. Bush, built upon again in a very strange way by Barack Obama. And now, then resisted by Donald J. Trump. That has resulted in the greatest breakdown of American political society in history. With a veritable war going on internally. Internally. Against a man who stood for the United States of America and its sovereignty against those who stand for globalism. And that's the explanation for why they seek to destroy Donald J. Trump. It's not because they don't like him because of his tweets. They may not like him. You may not like his tweets. I don't like them. But he stood for something that they have categorically determined is going to happen and nobody's going to mess with them, including Donald J. Trump. And so they'll do everything they can, and that's what the series of all of these indictments, the series of indictments to try to prevent him from campaigning, to try to prevent him from even becoming a candidate, that's what it's all about. Bottom line, that's what it's all about. So what we have is two major, major movements now. The United Western World that has been led by consummate globalists of both Republican and Democratic stripe against the rest of the world that are upset with that. And you can well understand why they might be upset because they don't seem to, they don't have the same background. They don't have the same uh, European source. They don't have, they're not part of the original Roman Empire, which the Western One World Empire is the resurrected Roman Empire, in essence. And so you have this tremendous divide and tension that is building in the world. 
And all of this was accentuated or brought to uh, like a, an acute backdrop by the Ukraine conflict and uh, uh, Joe Biden's strategy against China and Russia, which are two founding members of the BRIC group. Now, India has a very different view. They want to line up with the BRICS group as a community for their own purposes, but not to destroy the existing world order of the West, but just change it for the better. So India does not want the collapse of Western globalization. It wants to reap the benefits of Western globalization while doing its best to protect its own interests by becoming or already part of the BRICS group. Are you beginning to see the tensions? The rest of the program, we'll see where this leads. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. If you have missed the first part of the program, I urge you to go back and pick it up on our website, SaveUS.org. Pick it up as a podcast. Pick it up there on the website, the archive section of the website, saveus.org. Because we laid a foundation. There's a complexity to this that needs to be understood. It's not just a matter of soundbite facts. We need to understand the broader complexity of what is taking place. Otherwise, we miss the point. In my hands is a report from Reuters, BRICS Summit 2023. Now remember, 2023 is just seven years, six to seven years, however you want to look at it, six and a half, seven and a half years from 2030. And what is 2030 about? 2030 is the year that the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, and the Great Reset is set to have taken place, put, been put into formation for the fulfillment of the Western One World Order or global government. In addition to that, the United Nations has its Agenda 2030. There are several other 2030 agendas. They're all focused on 2030. So this gathering this week of these BRICS nations for a summit 
is extremely significant for the world. And very likely for biblical prophecy. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about BRICS nations. It doesn't. It doesn't talk about BRICS nations, but it does talk about the kings of the south, or king of the south. And it does talk about the kings of the east. Will they unite? Will the king of the the kings of the east and the king of the south unite against the king, so to speak, the leader of the one, the Western one world order? The resurrected Roman Empire? Just thinking out loud, friends, because uh, it appears that what is happening here is a gradual setup for the final, final stage spoken of by the prophet Daniel, spoken of by the book of Revelation, as to the orientation of the nations just before the coming of Christ. The BRICS group of major emerging economies, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are going to hold, uh, with 15 heads of state, by the way, and government summit on Johannesburg starting tomorrow. And Johannesburg, the country, uh, actually South Africa, took up the one-year rotation chairmanship uh, in January. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa President Xi Jinping of China, Brazil's President Luis Luis, uh, Lula da Silva, and Indian Prime Minister Modi are expected to attend the summit. The one that will not is Russian President Vladimir Putin because he, he has a warrant, an international warrant for his arrest issued by the International Criminal Court, so he's not going to show up. So he's sending his representative Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Invitations to this event, listen to this, invitations to this summit were extended to 67 leaders across Africa, Latin America, Asia, and the Caribbean. In other words, seeking to unite the non-Western world, that is, the rest of the world, not part of the G7, not part of the resurrected Roman Empire, not part of the EU, not part of NATO, all the others. To show their tour, to, their, their force, their power. 20 dignitaries, including the Secretary General of the United Nations, the chairperson of the African Union Commission, the president of the New Development Bank have also been invited. Business leaders are expected to be in attendance. And China is seeking to boost its geopolitical might at the very time of tensions with the United States, which has become the main driver of expansion. Russia also embracing it as a way of overcoming isolation over the Ukraine war. So they, Russia and China, want this to expand. Why do they want it to expand? Because they believe, each one of them believes, they're going to be king of the mountain. And they're going to use this gathering, the the desire of the smaller nations, they're going to use them to collectivize their unique goal, vision, purpose to become king of the mountain, to rule the world. That's their view. 
And viewpoint always determines destiny. Uh, What a person believes in their heart, that's what they do. And that's what they're doing. Now, the rest of the world that they're uh, luring into BRICS does not fully comprehend China and Russia's view. They just want the benefits. So they're willing to sell themselves, so to speak, and their national sovereignty to become part of something that up till now they're not part of because they're not part of the Western global one world order. So this is a new world order that's being put together on at the behest of and through the vision of China and Russia. They're the main players. The BRICS group accounts for more than 40% of the world's population and about 25% of the global economy. So its influence and economic heft has more nations eager to join. You can see why. 23 countries have formally applied to become new BRICS members, including Saudi Arabia, Iran, United Arab Emirates, and then Egypt and Ethiopia, Indonesia, and Argentina. And the issues on the agenda include global geopolitics. Global geopolitics. In other words, globalism. What's their goal? We want to talk more about that aspect in a few moments. Before we get there, I want to make available to you my book, King of the Mountain, which will help you to understand the greater picture. This book was written 10 years ago. It is as if it was written yesterday. I I, I don't know how to explain it other than I believe that the Lord gave me insight and vision for the future. And it lays out in a simple understanding the development of our world, the historical, geopolitical, and prophetic development of our world from the time of creation, even going be, before that, to the conflict between Satan and God on the Mount of God in the heavenlies. And then takes us forward through history to where we are today and where we're going. And if you, as you read the book, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to see as these other things are developing, such as what we're talking about here today and the BRICS group, it'll then make sense. Ah, this is why it's happening. You read about some of these things, the kings of the east and the king of the south and all of that kind of stuff. People try to make sense of it. But then... Gradually, as you begin to see these things developing in front of you, you have this sense that, you know what, God actually knows what he's talking about. He knew what he was talking about when this was written. We just didn't understand it. But he wanted us to have a clue. He wanted us to be able to see the direction, the trajectory, so that you and I would not be taken unawares. That's the reason. 
That's what a father does. He informs his children. He prepares them so that they will not be taken unawares when the difficult challenges come. And that's what we're doing right here on Viewpoint. We're not talking about this to to, uh, produce fascination on your part. That's not really why a father would uh, inform or woo his children and warn them. He, he, that's not why. He wouldn't do it because of fascination. He's not trying to call attention to himself. He's trying to prepare them for what's coming. That's why Father God did this. That's why we do this right here on the air, so that not only will we know informationally what's coming, but we will allow the Holy Spirit to stir in our minds and hearts to change us transformationally so that we will be the people that we need to be, strong in the Lord, the power of his might, preparing our children, preparing our sons and daughters, pastors preparing their people, not being afraid anymore, but preparing, 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 because Jesus is coming soon. And he's not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Now, is this making sense? I hope so. Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. It's a $20 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, we're going to interleave all of this BRICS talk, and we're going to go to a report that has just come through today for the World Tribune. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce formally surrenders to Bill Gates and globalism. Well, I thought the BRICS thing was about globalism. Yes, but this report is about Western globalism. This is the new world order that the term NWO, New World Order, is talking about. So where does Bill Gates fit in all that? At the U.S. Chamber of Commerce? Really? I thought they were about business. Well, yes. But. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. You're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny, including your viewpoint. Today, right now, we're going to look at a report that has just come through today 
that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is formally surrendering to Bill Gates and globalism. Now, they've been on this trajectory for a long time. Most of Americans have not been aware of this. It has been part of the tensions within the Republican Party and also within the Democrat Party. It's about money. It's about power, perks, and position. Love doesn't make the world go around. Money does. And power. Partnering with Bill Gates is irrefutable confirmation of the elitist corporate cabal the U.S. Chamber of Commerce was all along, says this particular commentator, Joe Schaefer, from the World Tribune. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation this month doled out a crisp $635,000 grant to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation for general operating support. Toss in another $300,000 grant that was made last fall for a small business fellowship, and that makes just shy of $1 million bestowed upon the chamber by the notorious globalist philanthropist just within the past year. Gates was a featured speaker at the group's 2021 Global Forum on Economic Recovery. In a post on Gates' address on its website, the Chamber of Commerce highlighted his call for America to be an active part of a worldwide effort to fight climate change. Last year, the United States and other global governments invested heavily in economic recovery and vaccine development. Now, Gates said they need to make the same investments to conquer climate change. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Western One World Order, friends. In June 2020, Bill Gates and his then-wife Melinda sat down for an interview with the Chamber of Commerce that celebrates a global uh, corporate governance approach to harnessing Big Pharma. Melinda Gates said, We have never seen the companies come together in this way. What we're seeing for the first time, she said, is world and business leaders thinking ahead and manufacturing in terms of what it means for the world, not just their own parts of the world. Meaningful efforts uniting world leaders from the European Commission to the Vaccine Alliance means money and other resources coming together and at the ready as soon as the vaccine is. Oh, so now we're back to the vaccine issue. Bill and Melinda Gates driving through their money and their influence on all these various boards and so on to mandate vaccines worldwide based upon their production in the Western One World Order. Now, you fast forward nine years from something that happened in Richmond, Virginia. In Richmond, Virginia, a major uh, and I do say major, upset took place politically. There was a fellow by the name of Eric Cantor. He was the congressman uh, here in Richmond, Virginia, where this program emanates from. And uh, he was poised to become Speaker of the House. It was a done deal. But it didn't get done. It didn't get done because behind the scenes, Mr. Cantor was shown to be a conniving globalist. 
who held so much contempt for the constituency he took for granted that he coordinated with progressive pro-illegal alien activists to perpetuate a false flag operation intended to shore up his GOP-based support. His wife, Diana Cantor, former Goldman Sachs vice president, is on the board of the Chamber of Commerce governing uh, Foundation's governing board. In other words, she is a consummate globalist. She is the Eric Cantor presence in the Chamber of Commerce, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, directing their attention, their commitments, and so on all in support of so-called immigration reform, which is not about immigration reform at all. It's about facilitating massive immigration and the normalization of millions of illegal aliens into the United States. That is what the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation is supporting. In 2022, the Chamber became a founding member of the Alliance for a new immigration consensus. Really? Totally against working Americans. Totally. Among the cheap labor-obsessed corporate and center-right organizations listed, along with the Chamber as members of the Alliance, are the George W. Bush Institute. Why? Because George W. Bush and his daddy and his granddaddy were consummate globalists. As with the public gates funding, the Chamber's keen desire to swell the pool of vulnerable and easily exploitable foreign workers inside the U.S. is now out in the open. In a remarkably forthright interview conducted with the Chamber in July last month, Microsoft Senior Corporate Counsel U.S. Immigration uh, Barbara Lean came clean on the big tech Goliath endeavors in this area. Yes, Microsoft, the company co-founded by Bill Gates, has a legal executive whose job responsibilities solely involve getting more immigrant workers into the America. Acquiring more and more foreign labor is the name of the game at Microsoft, she said. But American firsters, like somebody by the name of Donald J. Trump, have long been aware of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce abject betrayal of the citizens of this country. And now, even some mainstream conservative Republicans finally have caught on. So, the Chamber of Commerce... The U.S. Chamber of Commerce has become complicit against the interests of Americans to drive this global order, the Western One World Order. And now we shift. We shift back from that to the BRICS. Aim for a multipolar 
world order. That's what Vladimir Putin's representative says this is all about. He said the global community is tired of blackmail and pressure by Western elites. Attempts by the collective West to preserve its hegemony have had the opposite effect, encouraging the real world majority to dismiss and reject the exploitation of their resources by foreign states. So tectonic shifts are taking place in the world today. A tectonic shift means there's a great shaking, friends. It's like an earthquake, like the 5.1 earthquake that Southern California had just yesterday. So Lavrov from Russia said of the BRICS, group. It's a positive force that can strengthen the solidarity of the global South and global East and become one of the pillars of a new, more just world order. Could we have put it more directly? No. So as I indicated, what we're seeing now is the formation of a gathering of nations outside the resurrected one world, excuse me, outside the resurrected Roman Empire that Daniel the prophet spoke of to compete for world domination, even though they say they're not about world domination. The greater group may not be about world domination, but their leaders, China and Russia, are by their own declarations. The competition has been declared. And this week is the big gathering. China wants BRICS to rival the G7, said the Financial Times. China plans to push for the BRICS bloc to become a full-fledged rival of the G7 nations, There's no agreement between Beijing and New Delhi on whether BRICS, which currently comprises Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, should be non-aligned economic club or a political force that openly challenges the West. Why is that? Because India has favor with the United States, the more favorable position ever in its history right now. They don't want to lose that. So India wants to play both sides of the game. Part of BRICS and have favor with the Western One World Order. Africa, however, has been seduced, almost entirely seduced, by the BRICS. It's understandable why, because they're not part of the Western One World Order. South Africa supports the expansion of the membership of BRICS. Their president noted that the value of BRICS extends beyond the interests of its current members, And they can collectively shape global dynamics, have the potential to drive significant changes in the world economy and international relations. A diverse group of nations with different political systems that share a common desire to have a more balanced global order, he said. In other words, one that includes them. That's what they mean by a more balanced global order. And it's understandable to to understand. But what is not revealed in all of this is that China has been seducing Africa into its realm, into its arms now for a considerable period of time by buying up 
buying up favor from Africa, building this, that, the other, using uh, Chinese money that they're now running out of because their stock market is, is falling apart. But they've been buying up affection in order to gain dominion over African resources, in other words, to repeat the same problem that Africans are rebelling against the colonial empires of the past. China is now becoming the new dominating colonial empire and as head of the BRICS. And the, and the Africans do not see it because they're looking on the short term. Isn't that what we human beings are prone to do? We look on the short end of things. According to Chinese officials, they see the development of BRICS cooperation, the promotion of peace, stability, and prosperity around the world. That's a definition of shalom, friends. In South Africa, taking the leadership, and now other countries, Argentina, Algeria, Egypt, Turkey, have hinted they want to become part of the group. Well, why wouldn't they want to become part of the group? They want the instant benefits. If they feel outcast from the Western One World Order, then they want to be part of an alternative. And that's what's happening. And this alternative One World Order that's being birthed gradually would seem to present the very scenario that the Bible talks about, about the kings of the east and the king of the south rising up against the king of the north. We're not going to go into that more deeply. But remember, for this latter time trader in trust to gain global dominion, whether the BRICS or the Western One World Order, so as to invite men to sacrifice the eternal souls for the promise of temporal peace and prosperity. That's Satan's global government gospel. And it's nearly universally embraced. That's where we are. Thanks for joining us. Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. $15 on our website, saveus.org. The eternal epic end time battle. You won't be disappointed. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us. Become a partner, friends. God's waiting on you. We're waiting on him, but he's waiting on you. God bless you. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.